A rising US dollar last week with the Aussie dollar hit hard. Can we expect more of the same this week? And what of David DeGaris' comments on Friday's podcast that the China story was the one to watch? Not just slower growth, but more regulation, and we've seen more evidence of that since then. And what about the Australia story? Lockdowns for longer, zero COVID, you'd assume, is a thing of the past. Well, Scott Morrison has admitted as much. And some real numbers today with PMIs abound. That'll give us an inkling of growth in Europe versus the US at the very least. It's Monday, the 23rd of August, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities came bouncing back on Friday, a 1.2% rise on the uh, the Nasdaq, 0.8% for the S&P 500, 0.7% for the Dow. Even with that last-minute reprise, over the week, the DAX and the Dow were down around 1.1%. The Nasdaq lost 0.7%. The U.S. dollar lost a little ground on Friday, not much, but it gained more than 1% over the week, which means a bad week for the Aussie dollar. It was down 0.2% on Friday, but 3.2% over the week. The Kiwi dollar wasn't far behind, losing 2 0.9% last week. But against that rising US dollar, most major currencies were down. The Canadian dollar lost 2.5%. The pound was down 1.75%. The euro uh, fell less, actually, than the US dollar rose. It was down 0.8%. And a bad week for oil as well. WTI lost 2.2% on Friday, almost 9% down over the week. Copper lost 5.9% over the week. Iron ore was down 4.4%. Even with all that commotion last week, bonds were relatively calm. 10 year treasuries, one basis point up on Friday, down two basis points over the week. Yields fell sharp, more sharply for 30 years, which lost six basis points over the week. So let's have a, have a recap on how that week finished with Ray Atrell, NAB's head of FX strategy in Sydney. So Ray, uh, we, we had a great deal of volatility, didn't we, in current currencies, but not in bonds, even, even with more hawkish members of the FOMC at the end of last week, seeming to change their stance on the, on the speed of tapering, which is what happened with Robert Kaplan on Friday. No, he did. So the Dallas Fed... Uh, good morning, Phil. Um, morning. The uh, Dallas Fed uh, president, Bob Kaplan, who I would say, together with James Bullard from the St. Louis Fed, has been uh, one of the two most hawkish FOMC members in recent months, is one of the first to agitate in favour of an early commencement of uh, so-called QE uh, tapering. Um, was out giving an interview to Fox News on uh, on Friday that came out during the, um, the New York uh, market day. Um, saying effectively, I'm now going to keep an open mind on my view on tapering uh, because of the uh, potential negative effects that the spread of Delta is having on the economy. So previously, he's mm. been saying, you know, all these uh, all these concerns are all supply, you know, supply shock related, which monetary policy can't do anything about. But now he's saying, oh, hang on a minute, um, you know, maybe Delta is going to have a more pervasive impact on the demand side of the economy. Uh, and that might be reason to pause. So, I mean, in a sense, you know, Kaplan has been considered to be in a in a, in a minority, and his and his views are not going to carry the day. But the fact that somebody as hawkish as him has said that he's now got some doubt about um, whether we should proceed rapidly to tapering, um, you know, I think should, it isn't lost on the market, and rightly so, in terms of what it means. But, the, but the it's, the, it's the market it's hitting, isn't it? Because it's, so it's hit it's hit currency markets, but not really the bond markets. Well, it's, a, it's a, some some of the equity turnaround was certainly there. Um, I mean, mm. arguably, you know, bond yields sitting down here, um, you know, in the one point twos, you know, are still too low. If you really thought yeah. that uh, Fed policy normalisation was going to at least begin 
begin uh, in the next couple of months and that uh, a first rate rise you know, could be coming you know within perhaps a year of that um, you know we're still a 2023 uh, first rate rise uh, we're in that camp at least anyway but the market has been uh, better priced for something happening in late 2022 so in that sense you know if the tapering is not going to begin for uh, perhaps a month or two later than the market was thinking does that really mean that bond yields should be heading back down to one percent i don't think so but um hmm. certainly from a you know from an equity sentiment point of view which is still you know addicted to um you know interest rates uh, at uh, close to zero as far as the fed is concerned as far ahead as the eye can see and the fed continuing to print 120 billion dollars a month um you know that message was not lost on uh, on, on the equity market but uh, as you say yeah. the currency market showed more of an impact so we could certainly date the, uh, the small sort of retracement of US dollar strength almost to the second that uh, Kaplan's comments hit the newswire. So, um, but doesn't disguise the fact that it's still been a very, very positive week for the US dollar. Exactly. And I, and I want to talk about the, that divergence that we're seeing between Asian equities and US equities that we saw at the end of last week as well. But before that, just on Jerome Powell, I mean, is he going to say anything? We have Jackson Hole, uh, the symposium, which actually is a virtual, so it's not even at Jackson Hole. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's happening at the end of this week. So Jerome Powell, who incidentally might be around a bit longer because uh, he's got the support of Janet Yellen, supposedly, and we might find out in a couple of weeks whether Joe Biden is going to reappoint him to, to his role. But all that aside, is he going to say anything? Anything at the, this symposium at the end of the week that might give us an idea about, you know, the timetable for tapering or given, you know, there's the so much uncertainty, is he just going to keep stum on it? Well, you know, he's talking on the economy. And let's remember that this uh, Jackson Hole Symposium, even though, as you say, a virtual event this year, has historically been used as a kind of a, a sounding board or a springboard for announcing, you know, potentially significant uh, policy changes. Last year's um, affair, for example, was where the move to or the regime change, if you want to call it that, towards this average inflation targeting um new policy was actually announced. So I don't think that um, Jerome Powell will want to preempt the FOMC's uh, deliberations as far as formal announcement regarding tapering. But uh, but the market, I think, will certainly be on tenterhooks. And as I say, again, going back to the Kaplan comments and, and what's happening with the spread of Delta and some of the slowing that we're seeing in some of the consumer-related economic indicators, you know, in the last week or so, then uh, current perspective on that from the Fed chair's um, standpoint, I think is going to be really important. So I think it just, it, it contributes to the likelihood that maybe we're in for a sort of quieter week this week as mm. we head into his speech on Friday. Yeah, well, yeah, possibly. Although we never know, do we, really, at the, at the moment, because things are so volatile. But uh, for your point about U.S. equities, I mean, obviously, uh, buoyed by the fact that, you know, maybe the, the tapering isn't going to be uh, happening anytime soon, which saw them up at the same time as we've seen uh, weakness in Asian equities because of that China story. I mean, the, the point that uh, was being made on Friday's podcast uh, by Dave DeGarris, that China is the one to watch because not only is the danger of the, the, the slowdown in their economy, but also uh, the, the increased risk of, of regula regulation so we had which is starting in tech and there's that privacy legislation uh, that was passed at the end of last week but there's other sectors as well like booze cosmetics pharmaceuticals milk powder because it encourages mothers to breastfeed apparently i mean <laughs> this is all the more regulation that's coming out of china obviously that's going to uh, impact equities in that part of the world oh no, absolutely and, and it, it has you know certainly done that at least so <clears throat> excuse me 
you know, look at the Hang Seng Index, look at the uh, look at the Shanghai indices. They are the, the worst performing. Um, you know, a lot of these big tech companies are listed in Hong Kong, and that's why the Hang Seng Index, you know, is doing as poorly as it is at the moment. But you're, but you're right. Certainly, you know, the evidence of economic slowdown is, is plain for all to see. Um, what we don't know is how much of that is directly linked to the lockdowns that have been necessitated by uh, China's current sort of zero COVID strategy. Um, it's obviously knocked out some significant parts of the economy. No less so in the ports, which is obviously adding to some of those supply chain uh, bottlenecks. But on top of that is this, you know, sort of almost, I say, philosophical um, regulatory crackdown, um, you know, the view that the pursuit of profit and, and what that is doing to uh, social inequality is, is something that uh, that the administration is, is seems to be hell bent on, um, on addressing. And I think the latest uh, came through on Friday or over the weekend, or Friday, I think, uh, Xinhua News reporting um, new data protection uh, laws. Yeah. So another example of, uh, or another straw on the camel's back, if you like, of, of regulatory risks. And, and it's really important. And then in the rest of Southeast Asia, or Southeast Asia in particular, you know, COVID is clearly having a, a big negative impact, whether that's on blocking tourism or, or shutting down car production plants, for example, in Malaysia or Indonesia or, or Thailand. So we're seeing underperformance by those currencies and their equity markets, you know, independent, if you like, of the weakness that we're seeing coming out of China. So a real bifurcation, I think, between uh, what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere. And yeah. it's, uh, it's clearly taking its toll in the you know, the underperformance that we're seeing in uh, obviously the Chinese currency weakened last week, but also, you know, a message not being lost on the likes of uh, the Aussie and the Kiwi dollar, which are ultimately more sensitive to volatility in emerging markets from a risk yeah. perspective than what might be happening with the S&P 500. Well, the Aussie dollar almost dipped below 71 on Friday, isn't it? I mean, it wasn't, you know, in the not too distant past, we were talking about it reaching 80. Uh, but, that, you know, that could be a long way away, it seems now, particularly if these lockdowns last longer, 80. 130 cases reported yesterday for New South Wales, 65 for Victoria, 19 for ACT. Uh, and, you know, even though we're hoping to be, what, 80% vaccinated by mid-November, I think the the editorial angle taken by the AFR over the weekend was that, uh, you know, we've got to get to the stage where we ignore infection numbers and start looking at hospitalizations and fatalities uh, because, you know, zero COVID is something we're never going to get back to. And there's a bit of an education exercise that probably happens has to happen. So everyone's on the same page on that so uh, you know the economic impacts of reaching that realization is, is another thing to factor in isn't it well, at the margin, it, it clearly is is contributing something. But let's just sort of take the science out a little bit and 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 remember what the underlying premise of of ours and others calls for. You know, a weaker U.S. dollar and a stronger Aussie dollar as we went through this year was really an assumption that you know really by you know certainly by now um, you know the spread of COVID would have been sufficiently contained to allow mm. fuller global economic reopening, not necessarily with a zero COVID strategy. And we still hold out the UK as the uh, as the petri dish there for proving that you can, um, with a sufficiently high level of immunisation, you can reopen your economy without overwhelming your health systems. And we're really looking for that to roll out along, you know, uh, much of the uh, much of the developed world and also in, in some of the emerging markets. And clearly, we're not at that stage yet. And, and, and that's the reason. Um, that we're still seeing the US dollar very well supported in terms of, of doubts about the timing of when and if that is going to take place. And while those doubts are still there, the dollar is going to remain well supported and the Aussie dollar is going to remain mm. very much on the back foot. So we're yeah. going to see that situation changing in the in the next little while at least. And Below 70, so do you happened? think? Could it, could it get lower? Could, well, it's certainly the risk, isn't it? I mean, we went from, mm. we started the week almost at 74 
Uh, and we ended the week, you know, at what, 71.06 or 71.08 was the low on Friday. So, uh, you know, as we say, another day, another handle, another new handle on the Aussie dollar has been the sort yeah. of, you yeah, know, the yeah. joke this week. But at the, at the moment, you have to say that, the, you know, the little bounce that we saw on Friday is not going to convince anybody that this little downtrend is over. So the immediate risk is still, um, you know, that we will test that 70 level and possibly spend a little time below it in the next little while. And one moment, what about this fall in oil? So 9% down over the week for WTI, Brent lost 7.7%. So is this all just down to the speed of the recovery that, that you know, that we'd, we'd priced in a faster recovery, you know, exactly what you've been just, just been talking about. Uh, and that's not the case, which is, uh, which is why we're, we're, we're seeing this fall. And could it, could it go further? Well, it's, 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 it's definitely, it's a demand side story. It's, yeah. it's definitely not a supply side story. And yeah. uh, you can impersonate the, uh, the uh, American expression about the driving season having come to a close, which adds a little uh, seasonal uh, weakness to, to the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little seasonal weakness to the, um, uh, to the to what we're seeing in, in the oil market at least. So, but I think it, by and large this is this is delayed full economic reopening. What does that mean for um, you know for demand for fuel? And I think that is the, that is the be all and end all of the oil price story at the moment. But uh, mm. again, some encouragement that we did see a little bit of a reversal um, of some of the commodity price weakness. So an intraday rebound in uh, copper prices in iron ore futures for example and um you know but that is as much to do i think with the expectation that the, the fed could be a little longer in uh, starting to normalize policy um, apropos the kaplan comments rather than you know suggesting any real optimism or shift in sentiment towards economic reopenings in that sense um you know the oil market demand side is still going to remain uh, weak for the time being i suspect and flash PMIs today, when we've, uh, in, in recent months, when we've, because of your cushion, it's flash PMIs for a large part of the world today, France, Germany, the UK, all of Euro, the Eurozone, the US, Japan, Australia. In, you know, in previous months, we said, well, this is an opportunity to see how, uh, the, uh, the Europe is progressing versus the US in terms of the, the recovery. Is it, is that still the interest today? No, I think it is. So, um, you know, the danger at the moment is that uh, any indicator, even PMIs starts we'll to end be up being a little bit backward looking. But, yeah. um, but I I think keen interest and uh, you know we are looking for very slight pullbacks particularly in the eurozone and the u.s uh, market pmis but still uh, at very elevated levels so um but obviously any sort of downside surprises there would play with this narrative that uh, the spread of delta does seem to be taking um you know taking the top off certainly the consumer side of the economy so mm. i think there's still we still will be keen interest in, in those and, uh, and uh, as long as they're still suggesting that um you know that the absolute level is still very elevated then at this stage we need perhaps get too despondent that um you know economies are sliding down the at the backside of a of what was a very good q2 for many of them yeah yeah well let's yeah let's not get too despondent good times will return that's for sure let's finish on an upbeat note good to talk Ray. catch you again very soon yeah, indeed thanks for see you feel like i should be singing always look on the bright side of life uh, that's it for today that's the morning call from nab i'm phil dobby catch you again tomorrow morning thanks for listening